I had a really interesting, I guess as a word, experience uh, lately in my physical checkup with my doctor. Uh, this is a new doctor for me. And this doctor let me know that my medical chart had been flagged for risk for obesity. And, um, you know, I don't know if you follow me on social media or anything, but I'm um, kind of like a semi-professional athlete. Like I'm a circus performer. I am very muscular, pretty fit, not really the kind of body situation that one would think of for obesity. So I was like, I just like kind of laughed, like, really? Like, are you, are you sure, sir? And the, the chart had been flagged because of my BMI, my body mass index was outside the normal range, quote unquote, normal, sarcastically normal, uh, for a woman of my height and age. And largely because I'm so muscular. So muscle obviously is heavier than fat. So it was just an interesting like moment where I felt in myself a little bit of like a, an attack on my body, right? This sense of someone telling me there's something wrong in your body and me having this reaction that's like actually clearly not. Like my body does a good job of supporting my mind and heart's shenanigans and ideas and desires. And so I felt like I needed to come in defense of my body and say, hey, your numbers are wrong. They're meaningless. They're not helpful. And my mind and soul are just like, are not going to stand for you pathologizing a part of me that is clearly not pathological. It made me feel like there's this sort of undeclared war on bodies that whether it comes from the medical industrial complexes, desire and motivation to push weight loss drugs on us or surgeries or other kinds of products, or whether it comes from the society at large that says our bodies are too small, too big, too thin, too chunky, too muscular, too smelly, too wrinkly, too something, something, whatever. There's not a really thoughtful acknowledgement of how important our bodies are. They're not just tools. They are, I believe, really important, dare I say, sacred containers that hold our spirits, that hold our life force and allow us to be present in the world in miraculous ways. One of the things that I see quite often in my practice with entrepreneurs is a significant disconnection between our mind, you know, a kind of our thinking brain, our emotional well-being, and our physical body. And I think this is just fundamentally horrible for us because we've segmented ourselves into different parts that are not ever meant to be separated. Our bodies provide really important data around our decisions, around the well-being of our emotional lives. And I have found over and over our bodies to be one of the most important tools in helping to assure and strengthen our mental health. So today's episode is a conversation around the connections between the body and the rest of us. And if you'd like to do a deeper dive in this topic, you can check out my TEDx talk called Why a Grieving Psychologist Joined the Circus, in which I talk about the role of movement, the body's movement, in helping me specifically, but helping the collective community walk through times of grief and hardship. 
So this content is also available on YouTube. If you would like to partake of it there, that is a choice. And if you do, make sure you like and subscribe and do all those things that helps the YouTube love me. <laughs> I guess that's my goal in life. No, not really. But helps to validate that doing the video version of this content is valuable. Thanks so much for listening. I hope it serves you. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. By a number of indicators, the humans are not okay. We are experiencing high rates of suicide, high rates of addiction, and from aging grandparents to young children, reported levels of anxiety and depression that are unprecedented in human experience. Some people label these disorders of despair, this sense of disconnection, lack of meaning. And I believe that our way forward to human flourishing, to a place where we are really mentally well, is that we need to reestablish a sense of connection, not only to our fellow humans, as you'll hear me talk about in lots of videos on this channel, but to the systems that make up the very self that we are. So when I think about a human, I think about different components, different systems that make us who we are. One is our mind system. It's this amazing brain that we all have that helps us with planning, with ideas, with thoughts. The thing that really makes us very, very human is our intellectual and cognitive capacity to think. And then we have another component, which is our, our feeling self. Of course, it's not disconnected from our brains. I know that. But it has that quality of spirit, soul, self, emotion, intuition. Maybe the parts of us that are a little less conscious, a little less linear, but our lived sense as we walk through the world as we go through our lives. And then the third thing that I think about when I think about a human being is of course the physical reality, the body, the sort of container that holds us in. And what I think happens when we are not well, when we're not thriving, is that these three systems get disconnected from each other. We either stop listening to our intuition. We treat emotion as if it is irrelevant, unhelpful. We relegate it to the sidelines and we don't listen. Instead, we use our thinking brain to just override and say, this is what we should do. This is what is, you know, most in line with our ambitions. We don't listen to what we really want or what we really long for or what our feeling self is telling us about what matters. We also are really vulnerable to overriding the feedback or the system from our body where our body is telling us something isn't well. The body has all kinds of ways of communicating. Some of the most common language of the body is pain, where we wake up with pain in our neck, in our back, in our shoulders, in our hips 
things that sort of indicate that we're holding something, we're constricted, we're really containing a level of emotion that we're not working through effectively. Something is unwell inside, but we don't have conscious recognition of it. It hasn't quite made its way up to the brain yet. And so the body is holding that story or holding that feeling. So pain is one way that the body communicates. Another way that the body communicates is a disruption in the patterns of our lives. So difficulty sleeping, lack of appetite, absolutely no interest in sex, or hey, maybe that's all we can think about. But there's this sense of being out of homeostasis or off balance in our body's systems. So that's one way that our body can communicate to our feeling self and to our brain that something's awry, something's not well within us. Just as the body communicates that there may be trouble within the deep parts of us, so is the body helpful in being part of the healing process or the restoration of health that we may be looking for as we're trying to alleviate some of the despair or disconnection or meaningless that we may feel that may be driving some of this mental health crisis that I'm talking about. When the body moves, if we can attach emotion to movement, then we can use our bodies to move through different emotion states, maybe from a state of like anxiety or tension that we might hold in our bodies to a state of peacefulness or relaxation. Simply by changing the way we hold our bodies, the way we engage our muscles in movement, we can change our emotion states. Imagine what it feels like when you go to the gym and maybe you lift some weights or you get those battle ropes, you know, those super heavy ropes at the gym, and you're just like whacking them as hard as you can against the floor. And you're using your muscles in this like kind of aggressive but powerful way. And then you maybe walk away from that exercise feeling a sense of calm, a relief, kind of like you've let something go. That is a real part of our mental health process, including our bodies, the movement of our bodies in this expression of emotion. And sometimes we are working with problems or painful parts of us that we don't have conscious recognition of. Either they happened pre-verbally, if in the case of childhood trauma or childhood hurt that we might not have like an organized linear memory about, or there's all kinds of things that our sensory systems are taking in, things that scare us, things that disrupt us, that we either override with our thinking brain and say like, that's not really important or that's not something to worry about. You didn't get really hurt in that car accident, so the brain isn't gonna log that as a significant problem. But maybe the body did, or maybe somewhere in your heart life, in your intuitive life, in your emotion life, you really were quite scared in that experience. But your brain has some kind of boundary that's not letting you work that through. Then it gets sort of filed away in the body. So if the brain isn't willing to work through something or the brain has repressed it, the brain is using denial, then the body has to hold it. And so that's where we have all of these chronic health problems in addition to our mental health struggles because the body and the brain are disconnected. There's a wall between them and the emotion world is like, ah, what do I do? I've got all these feelings and experiences and no way to work them out. I can't write about them if my cognitive thinking brain isn't going to recognize them. And so they come out sideways. They come out in the body. As I mentioned, pain, disruption in our systems. So I think the path forward 
is to become more and more body intelligent, to begin to really listen to the rhythms of our bodies, to the communication of our bodies, to places where we're disrupted, to places where we're in pain, and to get really curious about how those experiences may connect to our emotional life, to our sense of well-being, to our mental health. And then to use the body along with the brain to process and to make sense of the things that we carry, the traumas, the griefs, the places where we feel stuck, and to let our body lead the way when maybe our brain is finding that it doesn't have the resources or the awareness to be able to help support our mental well-being. We know that movement helps our mental health. It's not just about staying fit, it's also about staying well and whole. And so if nothing else, this video is an invitation for you to take seriously the movement of your body as part of your mental health practices. Whether that's walking 20 minutes three times a day or engaging in a more emotion-based mental health practice, something like dance or expressive arts, expressive movement. I have been doing a series of workshops called Circus for the Brokenhearted, where I bring the emotional, mental conversation and integrate it into a conversation using circus arts. So if that's interesting to you, definitely check out that work online and I'd be happy to host you at one of my workshops where we think about how to bring the body in and express things that we're holding inside that we may not have language for. There's no such thing as mental health being all in our head. We are a full body experience. And so when we are struggling in one domain of our lives, it integrates or impacts all of the domains of our lives. So our body, our minds, our spirits, souls, it's all part of one human being. And we don't get to ignore or segment off certain parts of us. We don't get to sit in our chair 12 hours a day and just move back from our desk chair to our couch, to our kitchen table, and believe that we can be mentally well because our mental health is dependent on the movement and the wellness and the flourishing of our bodies. So let's bring those all back into one conversation, see ourselves as holistic beings, and begin to take seriously all of the components of our well-being. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.